This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 17. Episode 46. This is Writing Excuses, Monstrous Awakening. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Mary Robinette. I'm Chelsea. I'm Fran. And I'm Howard. And we are here to talk about this idea of monstrous awakening. Um, One of the things that I'm going to ask you all to do before you listen to this episode is actually to pause and to go read an essay that Fran wrote that's called You Wake Up Monstrous. We will be here, and it's fine if you don't have time to listen to, the, to to read that before you listen to the episode. Totally fine. You won't be lost. But if you have time, it will give you some important framing, I think. So let's dive in and talk about this idea of uh, body horror and body issues. Fran, can can you kind of sort of, for those who have not had time to listen, sort of sum up what we're talking about with body horror and body issues using some of the metaphors that you use in your wonderful essay? <laughs> um, yes, I can. I um, So body horror and body humor as well, and and even a little bit of inspiration porn, all use these sort of there but for the grace of whatever universal entity is out there, um, that, that that happens to me. You see that in um, movies like The Fly. You see that in Kafka's Metamorphosis, where you know the character wakes up and they are transformed into a bug, or they are they they lose their not just their ability to speak, but their mouth it disappears in The Matrix, for instance. Those are all forms of body horror that play with and on um, sort of vestigial fears of losing uh, ability, agency, and they also play with the discomforts that we see each other go through when we become either ill or disabled. So when we're thinking about these things, a lot of times we see authors reach for uh, disability as as shorthand for for evil or helplessness, but it doesn't have to be that way. What are some other choices that a writer could make? I have a slightly different angle for how to get ahead in advertising. I'm thinking about like the body thing, and I was kind of just forming forming a thing in my head about Neo waking up with no mouth, and um, you know that helplessness. And, and like, I was trying to connect it to something else. I was trying to connect it to, um, like, you can wake up and you can have no mouth and, and stuff. And all of a sudden, everything is very different. And there's a bug on you and all of this other horrible thing. And it's like, you you're doing this because you want people to be scared and they, you want people to kind of, you know, be horrified at the helplessness. But I'm also thinking about like, if you want people to be horrified by the helplessness, that's fine. There's always like, you know, rope and duct tape. And, and then, 
And then nobody is like missing a mouth. There isn't like this kind of this weird symbolism about other disabilities going on, but they are helpless and it is scary. Um, And that maybe, you know, thinking it's like, do I need to do this in this way specifically, or can I do this and not kind of take a side swipe at disability? Yeah. And what you're talking about there is thinking about the area of intention, like why are you making this choice? And it's not that these choices are always forbidden and you can never make one of these choices because there are times and places when it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. But you have to think about it and not just default to it because it's something that you've seen in media because you're not thinking about the larger ramifications of it. And that's usually where people run into problems is that they don't think about the ripple effects and they don't think about those areas of intention. I honestly believe that if you take something like that and you're like, okay, well, I saw it on TV and you think about the stuff that is lying underneath it. Mm-hmm. And if that causes you to go, mm, no, I need, I need to do this because this has entirely different things lying underneath it. You're actually going to end up with the story that you actually want instead of one that winds up going astray because you didn't think about like three layers of implications about a device that you're using. Let me let me approach this real quick from a different angle. If you totally unironically tell a story about a disaster in someone's life where they can no longer afford their mortgage and they have to move into an apartment, and that is just a terrible disaster, and you're playing it not for humor, absolutely unironically, everybody in the world who already lives in an apartment and gets by just fine looks at this story and says, why is my way of life horrible or evil or whatever? You've othered an enormous portion of your audience. And I bring this up not to say that we should all live in apartments or we should all live in houses. I bring it up to say that uh, this is how you need to think about these things so that you don't come across as ageist or ableist when you are trying to accomplish something else with your story. I think what Chelsea was talking about too, about that implied helplessness, the lack of mouth, the lack of, of things, it, it does depend in the story on A, the point of view, and also a certain level of authorial empathy, not sympathy, but empathy, because what a lot of um, horror tropes rely on is the sense of that other is not part of the human pattern anymore. They, they've lost their humanity because they, they've lost their mouth, or to go back to a previous episode of Writing Excuses, they've lost their hand, um, and it's been replaced by another body part. But we have... Um, this opportunity to explore the fact that in it, and this is something that actually Kafka does pretty well is that because the point of view is internal, you, you don't see that character as Gregor Samsa as, as, as helpless. He's rationalizing how to get through this situation and just to, have um take a moment to think when you're writing body horror or body humor um and and think about what it what it feels like to be that other person and acknowledge their personhood acknowledge their humanity and that the fact that they they have agency in the situation mm-hmm. as well the the whatever the horrific situation is they still have choice they still have the ability to maneuver in in different ways 
Um, and so does the audience who's reading this, just like to go back to Howard's, you know, apartment metaphor. Um, in the essay, I wrote a little bit about what it felt like to be wearing a back brace that was exactly the same as the back brace that was being joked about in the movie that I was watching. And um, there, there's a character in Say Anything who is trying to get a drink of water out of a water fountain while wearing a Milwaukee-based brace with a neck support. And I didn't have the neck support, but it's impossible. And it becomes this long running joke in the middle of the movie. And I just sat there and felt like, wow, this, <laughs> I was enjoying this movie until just this moment. And, you know, just like the apartment metaphor that, that Howard gave us, it's, it really does um, not necessarily do service to your story to have a whole bunch of your audience suddenly feel like you're operating against them. You know, done well, um, it, it's R-rated for language and so much language. Um, I Spy with uh, Melissa McCarthy, I think, maybe it's just called Spy, but Melissa McCarthy plays, you know, the chair guy, you know, chairperson for a spy who is suddenly pushed out in the field and she is very competent, but she's very inexperienced and at no point in the show do we make fat jokes about Melissa McCarthy? I love People that make movie. fun of her clothing sometimes because maybe the clothing choices are weird, but it is never about her being overweight. And it is it is daring. It is a daring movie to to make that choice, and I love it because of how well it does it. Also, she's a fantastic actress. Oh my Just goodness! Her, her her entire use of every inch of that screen is amazing. Oh, yes. Just well, why don't we pause for our book of the week? And uh, that book is Screams from the Dark, 29 Stories of Monstrous, Monsters and the Monstrous. Fran, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. This is a collection of horror stories um, edited by Ellen Datlow. And it came out um, in the late spring of 2022. Um, it came out from Tour Night, Nightfire, and it contains a whole range of ways in which monsters, both familiar and new, interact with the world. Um, a lot of them are intentionally horror stories because that was the purview of the book. But some of them actually do some really interesting examinations of what it, what it means to be monstrous in a human world. And I really like that as well. All right. And so that book is Screams from the Dark, 29 Stories of the of Monsters and the Monstrous, uh, edited by Ellen Datlow. Okay, so as we come back in, uh, let's talk about some some things to to do that are a little bit more interesting. One of the uh things that I have noted in in stories where I, I feel like it's done a little better is that the the person's disability is not the source of the horror. It's the people around them and the environment that they find themselves in. So it is someone else, you know, grabbing the wheelchair when and 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 that's the removal of the agency. It's not the chair itself. It's someone else take it, trying to take control, helping, helping, yes. helping. Oh, it just gives me the shivers, the angry I, shivers. I had somebody without being asked, help me off of, I, 
I believe it was a bus. I was just, I was moving slower than they thought I should be and that I needed help. And they pulled me by my arm and dislocated my shoulder, which I then popped back in right in front of them to the most disgusting degree I could because I wanted to let them know that they had not and that actuality helped me at all. Um, See, Sorry, and if you had a sword was... cane, you could have just stabbed I them. I mean, <laughs> what are you saying? Why does no the one drubbing. have a sword cane? Um, <laughs> but it, it really does. People people think of, of themselves as providing assistance without asking and the grabbing of the wheelchair, um, the maneuvering of someone. It, it is a lack of agency is horrific. In in and and again, in the point of view of someone who is experiencing a lack of agency, whether it is through cosmic horror or you know the the deep and abiding horror, something someone like Stephen Graham Jones's stories, where you know every house sort of seems to build out horror around his characters. I I think that there are distinctive shifts in point of view and authorial empathy that can avoid some of the the pitfalls and really build some like like Chelsea was saying before, really interesting layers and depth in there that's only going to make your story better and scarier or or if you're doing body humor funnier. Yeah. Lesson I learned from Mary Robinette, gosh, eight years ago. Uh, it's one of the best ways to to introduce that horror is not to make the removal of agency related to someone's weakness. You make it related to their strength. Their strength can serve them, can do nothing for them in this in this scenario. Um, the, you know, the wheelchair is not a weakness. The wheelchair is a perfectly good mobility device. In fact, you're a Paralympic basketball player in that wheelchair. And, and then you are in a situation where, uh, that agency is removed. The, um, in, in the spare man, my, my main character is a cane user and, um, she has a, she has chronic pain and, um, from an old injury and one of the the scenes that uh i am like the 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 day where she's like oh this is definitely a cane day and she has to grab that that's just like that's just part of her life she grabs it it's no big deal uh when she gets to the set of stairs that is built to go up a centrifugal well um so they change angle every single step um and she has to climb them that's that's when that's when she's like, oh no, that's, <laughs> that is, that is the problem. It's not, it is, it is coming from the environment and her need to interact with that environment. That is one spoon per stare. That's a. <laughs> one of the things that I think about um, is, and this is sort of elevating out of body horror a little bit, is something like Pat Cadigan's The Girl Thing that, that went out for sushi um, which has body augmentation, which we talked about last time, and a little bit of body horror in it, um, in that these are people who are working in space and having augmentations done so that they can better work in space. So they become starfish and they become, they have, you know, 
different ways of gripping or different ways of appreciating um, which way is up that is, that is really phenomenal. So I think that's uh, that's an interesting thing to look at. You know, horror especially um, tends to end up with with the characters and the reader trapped in the situation or trapped in that like depth of imagination where you're not sure if they're ever going to get out. Whereas sci-fi and fantasy find a way out quite often. Um, Howard, you were going to say something oh, there. Yeah, you know, it's just I. Um... For those of you not benefiting from the video feed, sometimes I raise my hand to let people know that I'm ready to talk when they're done. <laughs> I was not trying to interrupt. Um, Lois McMaster Bejold, I mentioned her in a previous episode, uh, the novel Freefall, in which there is a whole race of people who have been engineered so that their lower legs are arms and so that their hearts and metabolisms and everything function really well, just fine in zero gravity. And this group of people, uh, you know, genetically engineered and they have their own little space station and everything's cool. And then artificial gravity, energetic artificial gravity is introduced and they are sort of this little evolutionary dead end. Um, they're still perfectly awesome in their own little world. Um, when in one point of the story, uh, a couple of them end up on a planetary surface. Yes, there is, there is our lack of agency. There is our body horror. And it is from people who, or it is experienced by people who in their environment are perfectly suited and beautiful and wonderful and awesome. And I like the way I really love the way Bujold handled that. This has been a great discussion. Let's go ahead and talk about our homework. And uh, Chelsea, do you have our homework? I do. Your homework, if you should choose to accept it, is to rewrite a scene with body humor or body horror. It can be one of yours or it can be somebody else's so that the character with the disability is not the butt of the joke or the source of the horror. That's a great homework assignment. This has been Writing Excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write. For this episode of Writing Excuses, your hosts were Mary Robinette Kowal, C.L. Polk, Fran Wilde, and Howard Taylor. This episode was engineered by Daniel Thompson and mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cut scene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 